welcome everybody to the your favorite day, day of the week, my favorite day of the week, Aaron's favorite day of the week. It doesn't even feel like Friday. I did. I no, no. Don't let me in with that. That's you. You say it's your favorite day of the week. I've never said that. It's not mine. It's not your favorite day of the week. Friday isn't your favorite. Not not no, just I, like. No, I enjoy talking to you and and not today, but generally having a cocktail and talking hoops with you. I enjoy uh-huh. Friday. I think Friday is like objectively high on the list but no saturday saturday's better than friday hmm see i like i like friday because i have saturday to recover Mm. and then sunday i get to like just kind of coast and and i mean i'm not really a giant fan of sunday but but like if i can if i have a good time friday night and then saturday just kind of recuperate from friday night and then Sunday get mm-hmm. to one hundred percent, and then and then be ready for the week on Monday. That's that's a good weekend for me. I mean, no Friday's great. It's just not better than Saturday. Hmm. Objectively, it's not better than Saturday. All right. And in a weird, in a weird, uh, we need it. We need. I, I need to hear in in the comment section here. If you guys are on YouTube, I need to hear in the comment section which is better to you, Friday or Saturday. Friday, look, uh, in a weird you do have to work on Friday, quirk. so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's but but saying. even there yeah. though, like, does anybody really try on Fridays? Like, this is why, like, there's this. I mean, it's different move. now since post pandemic. It's a little different because nobody goes into an office anymore anyway, right? And they certainly don't on Fridays. So, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's like, that's that's yeah, like that's 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 uh, and you didn't let me tell me to say the weird scheduling quirk. Which is that the Lakers have zero Saturday night home games this year. There's a bunch of, nice. I think it's been like five Sundays in a row or six Sundays in a row at home. And yeah. there's a bunch of Friday games. There are zero Saturday games. Shouts to the to the NBA putting the Lakers on Sundays a bunch so that everybody's still thinking about football and nobody's paying attention to the Lakers over there. <laughs> well, also, that's look, just smart. The that's NBA smart is market. like, the end. The end. The NBA is like objectively afraid of. Oh my god! The NFL on TV. It's why, yeah. like, what well, last night, right? There was there were like three games, and they were all kind of mm-hmm, <laughs> like they're not putting. They're not and they all started at like Thursday eleven. <laughs> they don't want. They want no part of Thursday night football. Yeah. Um. All right. So today on the show, we have a lot to talk about. We have. It's been a weird week, man. Like we we talked about the Brooklyn stuff, um, you know, kind of briefly. Well, not briefly, but like the four of us on on uh, our brand new roundtable show on Wednesday. You, right. uh, Alex, Harrison, and myself. We talked about Brooklyn and stuff. We have had some developments there, I guess, where uh, Kyrie is apparently coming back. Ben Simmons kind of sort of cares about basketball. That's a pretty big development. Um, and then, uh, so I, I want to discuss some of that. On last night's Thursday Night Football, LeBron uh, debuted his, like, Manning cast and was uh, called out for lying by Jalen Ramsey, which was my favorite (laughs) uh, portion of the proceedings. And then, um, but also... no, 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 no. Let's be be specific. He wasn't called out by Jalen Ramsey for lying. He said, you know what the internet and Twitter says about you. They they say that you're always capping. He didn't no, specifically but, call LeBron that's a liar. Like, no, but but like that's that's like it was, it was pretty I'm, funny though. If I'm doing an interview and I say, you know, there are some people who would say blah 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 blah. blah. Like if I'm saying something that might kind of rub the person yeah. I'm, I'm interviewing the wrong. There are yeah, some right, people right, right, who right. are saying this thing. <laughs> usually, yeah, usually people, that yeah. is the the host. <laughs> trying to get around saying the thing by the way speaking of you interviewing i liked uh it was good with lonnie i like i'm gonna i'm gonna i I have a clip from that that i want to talk uh to you about as well since we just kind of mess around at the beginning part of this game anyway but or this this uh the show anyway um but yeah i want to talk about lebron like the lakers messing around at the beginning (laughs) of games right our our shows get better in the second quarter (laughs) third quarter you know we'll we'll see Mm. but uh, (laughs) but the uh Mm -hmm. But yeah, I want to talk about LeBron, you know, talking about Aaron Rodgers, but not really talking about Aaron Rodgers. It was pretty clear. Um, so we're going to do, uh, discuss that. Um, but I'm going to start in in the portion of the conversation that I find most important that Lonnie and I talked about. And I'm trying to I'm trying to make the world a better place. I asked Lonnie about his uh, gift wrapping technique and, and his gift right. giving technique. 
Um, and here's what he had to say. It says there's one of the things that they're doing here is rapping with rappers. Are you are you good at gift wrapping? I'm terrible. My wife I'm, has to do all of that stuff. <laughs> I am <laughs> absolutely just... awful. My mother does <laughs> all of my presents. If I don't if I don't wrap my presents, you're gonna get you're gonna see what gifts I got you. Pretty much, no, I'm not gonna wrap it. If my mom or grandma's not wrapping it. You're gonna see where it's from, what it's gonna be, and you're gonna have your name. You know, I'm a big fan of the hol- of the bag, the gift bag. You just throw it oh, in the yes. bag, and you throw some tin foil or some some yeah, tissue mm-hmm. paper up top, so you and can hide it. Yeah, successful. That's a successful <laughs> present right there. Okay, you don't know what it is, and it still kind of gives you the same, you know, unwrapping the box type thing. Yeah. Are you team? Are you team? Uh, wrap the gifts. Are you team? Just hand over the Amazon box, or do you do? I'm I'm a big proponent, like I just said, of the gift bag. The gift bag is the yeah. So, me. so um, much like Lonnie, um, I have no ability. Uh, <laughs> despite that, I was okay at certain. Have been okay at certain things in my life. My manual dexterity is not something I'm great at. So, well, um, hold up your hand though, because like if you hold up your hand, people would understand why. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to your, extend it. Your uh, your ring finger and pointer finger. Your ring finger and pinky, and pinky fingy. Uh, pinky finger look like that. The the four hundred five ninety one crossing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you for that. That, that reference will be <laughs> gotten by about eight people. But um, so I, um, I so two things. One, I get so excited. I love giving people presents. Me too. Um, but you know, at times, you know, when I like have a girlfriend or wife back in the day or significant other or whatever, I usually can't wait to give it to them. So I just end up like, here, just take it. Uh, but back in the day, I used to, my sister, uh, Jessica, who's much younger than I am, she's uh, 30 now, she was she became an expert at wrapping presents at like five. She literally, she would sit <laughs> on the floor like butterfly and she would hold the tape between her like little tiny feet and then take so she could, you know, peel the tape and wrap stuff. Uh, my mom is pretty good at it too. So it was mom and then it became my sister's job. Um, and when my sister is around... Uh, She's lived with me at various times. She lives in Boston now. But when she's around for the holidays and I can, she still uh, she still handles all the present wrapping. Because otherwise, I'm just handing it to you or it's going in a gift bag. <laughs> and by the way, I like you saying tinfoil. Yeah. you are tinfoil I, I, hat guy. You could, <laughs> yeah. You caught that, huh? You got the Freudian slip? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I said that. I was like, oh, Aaron's going to catch that one. Aaron's going to hear that mm-hmm. one. I'm going to hear about it, too. Um, no. All right. So few things on, on gift bags, right? One, they're reusable. So I'm helping out the environment Two, Mm. uh, the, the, the tissue paper on top that, that, that can, that can go on top. If you do that, right. You can reuse that too. So everything there is reusable, but like the, (laughs) once you, once you, (laughs) once you, (laughs) once you use wrapping paper, it gets crumpled up. It goes in the trash, and it's just Wait, a wasteful no, I endeavor. Who, I know people who have tried to who try to save wrapping paper instead yeah, of tearing but, it. They will like peel the tape and fold it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I used to. I, I don't. Yeah. Jen, Jen gives me a hard time. She's actually kind of like coached me out of doing this. But like, I, I actually used to be one of those because my mom is. She, my mom comes from like poverty, like legit poverty, mm-hmm. and uh, so like with their wrapping paper and stuff when I was growing up. It was, you got to be super careful with it. You got to slide your finger under the tape and you got to try to get it out of there without losing some of the wrapping paper there. And then once you're done with it, you hand it over to, I would hand it over to mom and she would fold it up and it would get reused. Uh, Cause that's, that's like what, what, like the kind of situation my mom grew up in. Um, I, you know, since then I have ditched those, that, that endeavor and I've ditched wrapping paper basically altogether. It's just, it's just not something that I that I that I have any interest in. Jen is the opposite. Jen loves wrapping paper. She she wraps all of the gifts uh, gifts, and she uh, we do enjoy watching Avery just go to town, ripping that stuff to shreds yeah. and stuff. But yeah, it does feel really part. wasteful. Yeah. It, it so basically, if you use wrapping <laughs> paper, you hate the environment. Like that's. Do you remember? Oh, back in the day, they used to have the um, the little boxes. Maybe this is even before. I mean, you're not like that Mervin's boxes. 
No, they had the, they had the little flat um, rectangular boxes that had tinsel in them, which were like these little like oh. plastic, like silver little things that you would throw on the Christmas tree to make mm-hmm. it look like there was snow, kind of. Yeah. Um. So my mom's dad uh, was born in Germany, escaped. Uh, you know, it was not not so easy for her <laughs> to be Jewish in Germany in in those days. We got out and uh, and. So he he used to tell these stories about how bad the inflation got in Germany. Like basically, you have to tell you know you needed a wheelbarrow full of monkey money to go get a loaf of bread or something. Yeah. So he was doing okay in in America, but he my my grandparents and my mom celebrated Christmas in addition to Hanukkah because my grandfather didn't want my mom to have to feel different from all the other kids. So we grew up celebrating Christmas and Hanukkah because my mom grew up celebrating Christmas and Hanukkah. Her mom, I think it was her mom, used to make her take the tinsel off of the tree each year and put it back in the box. Put it back in the box. So when I was a kid, those boxes Dude. were like 25 cents. When my mom was a kid, those boxes must have been five cents. I'm like, can we just throw this shit away? My mom was like, nope. You got to take the tinsel off and put it back in the bag. We're going to use it again next year. We're going to what? Yeah. yeah. I have a dollar. We can buy like Target's whole supply of this for the year. I have a dollar. Please? I don't want to yeah. take No. Jen Jen had a cat. Apparently, the cat like used to eat the tinsel, and eventually, you're gonna pass that tinsel. So they would walk, they would see the cat, and there'd be some like a string of tinsel coming. <laughs> and for people that are too young, and don't know what this is. It's like they're these like it's very legit, very like, thin like mini streamers yeah. that look like they look like they're basically made out of tin foil. Yeah, and you used to like take them and throw them. Uh, you'd make it rain basically on your Christmas tree, and it would yeah. it would kind of emulate icicles and snow and whatever, and it would sparkle mm-hmm. and all these wonderful things. It is a miserable experience trying to put tinsel back into a little, yeah, yeah. It's a miserable. Experience. That's that's it's a worse lot. than it's worse than unfurling the the Christmas lights when they get tangled. My impoverished mom. That's it. I canceled Christmas. That. That's it. No more Christmas. <laughs> my, my my mom my mom and her poor family would still not do that. That's a step too far for them. They'd have been like, you know what. You can leave that on the tree. We'll you know how lazy I am now about Christmas? I have a Christmas tree, that a fake Christmas tree, because I'm not going uh-huh. to get a Christmas tree and throw it under the Oh, I love it. That's, that's the one part of Christmas that I legit enjoy. I can't wait to not, take I'm not doing that anymore. kids to the, to, to that the Christmas nope. tree farm. No more. I cut that thing I don't down even myself. Take, I, don't even unbu- I don't even like put the Christmas tree back in the box. The Christmas tree is decorated and just put back in a closet and I just bring it out every year. I don't even take the ornaments down. None of that. I don't like you're supposed to like comes in three parts. You take it apart, put it in the box and nobody doing none of that. Christmas tree standing up, goes Uh back in the closet, comes out, goes back to its spot. See part of the reason sometime in February when I get to it, it'll go back and it'll go back in the closet. (laughs) Part of the reason we got a, uh, a fireplace for the house. no, Good oh, God, I'm is, dying. This is, you know how beautiful this is? You know how yeah. beautiful this is? I I have sufficiently wasted 13 and a half minutes. No, I, on I, this. I honestly, I'm, there's not much to talk about. I, I, I enjoy days like this where you and I just get to shoot the shit. I but like, um, yeah, part of the reason we got a fireplace, we, we part of the reason we designed a fireplace into our house was so that we would have a Christmas tree next to the fireplace because I've always liked that that look. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. And I love the way that it smells in the house when when you get a Christmas tree in there. No, you can fake the... that you can fake that with candles and no you, you can't fake that. nope you can't can't fake it. No you can't fake, fake that. it no because when you fake it it's too strong. Like when you fake it it's too like it it smells fake. It's kind of like that bullshit lemon and lime juice that comes in the plastic lemons and limes. Like <laughs> yeah, that yeah, shit's yeah, yeah. disgusting. Like if I if I see you squirt that into my cocktail, I'm I'm like I love alcohol. I'm I'm passing that I'm passing that uh, uh, cocktail away. I'm just like you know you don't like the, you don't like else. the uh, the plastic lime extra. That shit is so gross. <laughs> that stuff is disgusting. All right. Uh, speaking of disgusting, That's we we do have to acid. talk about the Lakers, I guess. But yes, but, you know, um, the Lakers I mean, are heading talk into. About- Jay Gildas Alexander, if you want, like that should do numbers. Everybody loves talking about the about OKC. I mean, in the NBA, he's incredible by a wide um, margin. He is he is just uh, absolute. Like, look, I I I liked Shay, you know, early on in his career with the Clippers. Obviously, OKC liked him enough to take him and prioritize him in the Paul George trade. 
Uh, but good God, nobody could have seen this coming. Nobody saw this coming where he's legitimately one of the most efficient. He's had one of the most efficient starts to the season in the history of the sport. Yeah, when they start Ever. like when the only when they start comparing numbers to and like the only comparisons are Wilt did this in 1962 and <laughs> yeah. Jordan did this in 87 or something. Like you're doing pretty well. You're off to a good start, right. brother. Right. It's like guards who have scored 30 points while shooting over 50 percent from the field, and it's Michael, 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 and Shea. <laughs> it's a pretty good list. Just an unbelievable start to the season. Uh, But you Uh, know what? It does bring up a kind of interesting question, and it's too early to talk about awards, but because of how jumbled the West is and how mediocre it is, like nobody from like Larry Markinen's not winning MVP, right? And the Jazz have come back to earth too. And I mean, I guess Devin Booker could win it, but it's kind of interesting that all of these teams with the singular talents that you say, "Eh," like, is Shea going to win MVP? No, but like, their record isn't any good, but the best couple guys on the planet have been him and Steph. Luca's been fantastic. Dallas's record isn't fine. KD mm-hmm. has been fantastic, but uh, right now, as, as we have to hold our noses, our collective noses, because right now it's probably Jason Tatum who is uh, kind of who's probably yeah. going to win. But as of right I'm now, too much of a hater. But I think it brings up an interesting show. discussion. If like if everybody in the West is all jumbled up. What I think there is some measure of team success that should factor into MVP, but yeah. like, you know, well, can a I seven think... seed win it if everybody's like, you know, here we're forty two and forty, and yeah, can and can does it change? Does that change your thinking at all? I don't know. I mean, I I wanted I'm biased, but like when Kobe scored averaged thirty five over the course of the season, I thought he should have won MVP. Uh, for that mm-hmm. year, and the Lakers were like a seven. Steve Nash. No, I think they were Steve the eight seed. Yeah, Steve um, it was white privilege. Trophy, One of the two, like <laughs> Steve Nash. Um, but like you know, Kobe, Kobe scoring like that, given the rest of the guys on his team, you know, you have to do something legit special to, I think, you know, get get an MVP when your when your team is down in like the eight seed and lower. Um, it's kind of like Shohei, right? Shohei Otani in baseball. Where like but, he so he's I don't gonna think be in the I, in baseball and, is different though because baseball well, it's it's an individual it's like individual mat outcomes yeah. that are collected at the end of the day. Basketball, no, I know, I know. Like, I'm, I'm. Yeah. It's it's somewhat it's 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 different and it's not though, right? Because like the reason uh, Judge won it this year over uh, Shohei was because the Yankees were better. Like he was voted almost unanimously over over Correct. Shohei. Yeah, and I it's think like, it was like twenty eight you know, to two. I think, and yeah, I disagree and, with that. Well, I what it actually was is he plays for the Yankees, and there's a whole bunch of East, like a whole bunch of the the biggest voices in baseball are all on the East Coast, and those are the only games that they watch. I mean, to be um, fair, I mean, like to be fair, Aaron Judge had you know no, he had a great time, season, great season, all time great. Shohei Yutan, Shohei is Shohei legitimately is the, like the we are never going to see that again. Yeah, time. we are never ever ever going to see that again. It's the closest thing to a basketball performance that you're going to see yeah, in baseball. Mike Trout, has won, Mike Trout has won a bunch of them, right? He's won three uh, or I four think MVPs, Maybe I won think. two or three. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's, the I Angels think are team just success should, should matter more in basketball because, like, you are interacting with your teammates much yeah. more than – In baseball, like, whatever, right? Like, in baseball, a pitcher can strike out the first 26 guys and then gets pulled – right yeah. and and the next guy gives up a home run you lose one nothing like you can't you couldn't have done better than that and it doesn't so, matter here's my yeah I, I, I completely agree what you're saying is objectively true about the two sports here's my thing on why i think winning should always matter regardless of sport in mvp voting is because i want like the the sports best players the guys who are capable of winning mvps I want them to push their organizations to win. Like I want, like what I what I heard from LeBron last night talking about Aaron Rodgers. I, that's what I want. I want. I want. If you have that kind of pull in an organization or in a sport, I want. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But I want those guys, you know, who are the absolute best players in their sport, to be able to to you know, hey, look, I'm holding up my end of the bargain. I could not have done more, realistically speaking for you guys this season 
and that got us 42 wins. We need to do better around here, right? Um, that's that's where I would say, just uh, looking at this from a macro perspective, it's a good thing that winning really matters in these MVP discussions because, uh, and, not, and, and it's not because of like, well, if you, your team isn't winning, how valuable can you actually be? Again, Kobe averaged 35 points playing next to Smush Parker, Luke Walton, and Brian Cook. Um, that team, like, he was pretty freaking valuable that year. That team just sucked around right, well, him. Well, this is what KD was saying, right? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, like, but it's one thing for me to lineup. say it. It's a little different when Kobe, like... <laughs> like, it's a little different when, when KD is naming his guys by name and saying, y'all suck. Like, that's slightly <laughs> different <laughs> than, than me saying from my perspective, y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's my job to say that. Um, but but yeah, I think I I the other part of it too that I'm kind of curious about, just kind of a running theory in basketball right now is like we are seeing some of the best individual players, their teams that operate in a more heliocentric fashion, um, their teams aren't winning at the level of some of these other teams whose approaches are um you know, more more of a, a group attack type of approach. And I'm kind of wondering if we're moving in a direction here, again, pendulum swinging kind of a thing, if we're moving towards, yeah, you can have that singular talent who dominates the ball and usage rate over 35 and all of that stuff. Like, you can have that, and that player's stats are going to look great, but a good offense set up that way is not going to operate or win as often as this kind of 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 approach over here. And I right, think well, that's kind at, of what uh, we're seeing with like where you're talking about like the best players in the world, their teams are kind of meh. Um, I kind of wonder if if we're reaching a point where those those best players in the world, if they want to to their teams to kind of elevate a little bit, at least in the regular season. Um, sharing some of that responsibility might actually be the approach to, to, to winning more consistently. So two, uh, two things, I think, I mean, there's, I think there's reasons for that. Okay. One is if you have that big of a burden, you are generally going to be worn out by the time the games really start to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, see James Harden, mm-hmm. um, you know, all his time in Houston, Luca, has had really good playoffs and made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, so that's, that's so one reason. The other reason. It well, looks here, so part of it is because generally, generally, I mean, I think Luca is that way, sort of, and Harden seems to be that way, sort of. But oftentimes guys do that, like take Kobe, for example, because the guy or or, or Kevin Durant in the, the season where everybody was hurt, often they do that because it's the only chance they have because their guys suck. They, or they're just not good enough. Um, and the other reason for it is, in my opinion, is those things, especially when you have a playoff series and you have a chance to really scout, um, it becomes pretty easy to defend because the defense knows what's coming almost all of the time. The reason the Warriors are so difficult to defend is because they do something unlike everybody else. So especially in the regular season, like it's kind of like in, in, um, in college football, Right. In the NFL, basically every offense is the same. But in college football, it's more homogenous than it than yeah. it used to be. But not yeah, but it, it still is much more diverse than the NFL. So you could go from playing somebody spread one week and then the next week you're playing because there are still Georgia teams that like run triple like, o- triple option. Yeah. Yeah. Or Navy, <laughs> right? So yeah. So the reason why, or one of the reasons why the Warriors are so hard to defend is because it's just unlike anything that people face normally it's, it gets easier to defend in the playoffs when you have a chance to say, we're going to play them a few games in a row. Um, but look at the last handful of champions, right? The warriors obviously are not Steph might be the best player in the world presently, but you know, he's not a one man band, right? Before that Milwaukee and the Lakers, they're more of a, you know, they have more LeBron and AD. They had a more varied attack as did Milwaukee. Some of it is a lot of, of, uh, of Giannis beating his head into a wall, but that's why they struggled on offense in the playoffs before that, because it was a lot of just Giannis beating his head against a wall. So I I agree with you um, that uh, you need a diversification of offense 
because you be just your guys get worn out and you become too easy to defend. If a if a playoff defense, which are generally the best defenses, if they have time to scout and they know that's why that's why the Rockets always looked so bad in the playoffs because everybody knew what was happening. It was going to be James yeah. dribbling at the top of the key, bringing up a screen, or him just isoing. So if you if defenses know what's coming, it's so easy. Yeah, I think a big part of it too is like. Like, I, I always kind of liken everything back to boxing, right? Because at the end of the day, I think boxing is the... Okay. Like if, you whittle down, if you whittle down sports, everything just kind of returns to... Like, boxing is elemental competition, right? You versus somebody else, you either outlast that person or you knock that person out. Or you get outlasted or you get knocked out. That's Those, <laughs> those, those are your outcomes, basically, with the occasional yeah. draw. Um, yeah. And I think... Like when I watch, when I watch teams like Houston, and when I watch teams like even Dallas, um, eventually somebody can have the world's greatest punch. Somebody can, you know, uh, you can, you can, you can throw the perfect punch, you know, nine times out of ten. But eventually, like if you can see that p- punch coming, you know to dodge. <laughs> you know to stay away from the right hand, right? Um, and I think here with 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 the the diversification of these offenses, the or as as Rob likes to call it, the dimensionalization of these offenses, mm-hmm. like those offenses that have a counterpunch or have something else that they can go to, and and I would even go so far as to say like like we just watched uh, the your Niners right your Niners this last week ran uh, Elijah Mitchell right that's his name. Uh, he ran. He ran more in in their last game than Christian McCaffrey did. He actually had more mm-hmm. um, rushes than Christian McCaffrey did, and it's like mm-hmm. smart. And we actually kind of saw this with the Lakers the, the year that they won the championship, where these smart um, these smart teams look at, especially in the NBA. And this is Pete and I used to talk about this at, at ad nauseum, basically. But smart teams actually look at the regular season as like, all right, let's get let's get our 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 perfect punch to a certain level, and we know we know that we can go to that whenever we have to. That's just it's it's going to be there when we have to throw it, when we have to run a set, when we have to get a good look, we'll throw that perfect punch. Right over the course of the season, though, let's work on our left. Over the course of the season, let's 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 try to work on 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 things and, and get that stuff up to the certain level. And what that sometimes means is you run more of this other stuff so that it is at a decent level that they have to respect so that when they, when you throw that perfect punch, they have to be watching for both hands. And I think with, with, with like what we're seeing at least early on this season is, and I think that's kind of why, we're going to start seeing offenses kind of struggle early on in the NBA from kind of here on out. More and more teams are looking at the NBA's regular season as like, all right, we're looking at this in quarters. Quarter number one, we feel this out. Let's work on that left hand. Let's work on let's work on these other options. And then over the course of the season, you know, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter of the season, that's when you really start absolutely honing down that best pitch that you can throw that best punch that you can throw. So that come postseason yeah. time, there is no defending it. That's that, uh, that's, I think it, how we're generally seeing this. So it, I think it depends though, on where you are in the NBA hierarchy, because yeah. certain <laughs> yeah. teams don't well, have that. We're luxury, about, right? We're talking about a championship team taking that approach, right? Yeah, the team that certain, won the certain ring. teams don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. But like, yeah, the Warriors just won it. And are they putting their best foot forward all the time? Are they working on stuff? I mean, their their starting lineup is the destroyer of worlds still. But if there comes a point where they're eight zero oh, and eight on the road now, there comes a point where yeah. you don't have that luxury anymore. Right? Yeah, uh, it comes a time where you be like, you know, Steve Kerr famously had that quote. You know, we're not chasing wins. Um, a couple years ago. Well, at some point, you do just have to spam. <laughs> Steph Curry pick and roll. Like yeah. at some point you need to win games. So you have a chance in those playoffs. Um, I think the other, so this, I think this is one of the reasons why continuity matters so much because like, then you, ha- then you can see it as a multiple year thing, right? Where, you know, you have that punch, you know, if we're going to use another football analogy, you know, you have that two point play or that third and one play, you know, your best thing. 
so, and I think this is interesting about like Kawhi coming back because he was played last night. They won. He was like plus a million and they won. It was a close game against Detroit. He only had six points. And this is my fear about them. Like, I don't know if because Kawhi has been out so long, I don't know that they have enough time now to develop their best punch and work on yeah. other stuff. Um, because if you have continuity and you have a few years to do this, fine. But I'm worried about them. I don't think they're much of a threat unless Kawhi is just a full-time player anymore because I don't think they have enough time and reps together to know whatever their best punch is and to be comfortable and confident enough with it. Yeah. He's going to have to start playing more, you know, um, it, it, it's kind of funny, Harrison and I, and, and the thing that you and I really disagreed about, I think more than almost anything else in our time doing this was the, my notion of efficiency versus productivity with some of the shots that AD takes. Right. Um, this is where mm -hmm. like the Clippers focusing just so solely on efficiency and, and the raw data and making sure that Kawhi makes it through the season is their top priority. And I understand where that's coming from, but you do kind of have to, at some point, take a couple risks here and there and see if you can keep them out there long enough to develop that continuity so that you know what you're, what you're getting when you throw that punch in the postseason. And, and that is where like, yeah, in terms of just raw efficiency and, and just raw, like, uh, make every decision in a vacuum. It does make the most sense to play Kawhi as sparingly as possible and win as often as you can while he's play playing as sparingly as possible. Um, it makes sense to do that, but then you're also ignoring the human element of the sport. The, 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 the idea that, yeah, yeah. this isn't yeah, yeah. 2k, this isn't 2k where like, you know, you play Kawhi, and he's 100% in the post, you know, 100% health-wise come postseason time. Um, and it doesn't matter how he and Paul George have played over the course of the year because it's 2K. No, the, these are human beings, and, and they do need to, to figure well, out where they need to stand in order yeah. to, to optimize well, each again, other's games. With continuity, like, again, this is why continuity is so important, right? Because Clay is in a similar situation, right? He's coming back. He's been sitting out. Um He's coming off of two devastating injuries, and he's been bad. Clay has just plain been bad. But you don't worry about them figuring that part out. You worry about Clay getting healthy and looking the most like Clay. But I have more confidence, and Clay like can be a part time player and then play full time in the playoffs because yeah. they've been doing this for ten years. Well, also his role um, is different. Like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't facilitate for anybody else. He's 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 the nail in this equation. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yes. Famously, what he had 60 points on, I think it was 11 dribbles, three or dribbles. He's not, uh, <laughs> he's not putting, he's not putting it on the deck. And well, yeah. now he is, that's part of the problem. Now he's hunting shots and putting it on the deck too much, but he is not one that generally has to do that. But I, I, again, this, and you know, to bring it back to the Lakers, it's one of the reasons why the three star contract model can be difficult, right? Because it's very hard to have continuity when you're churning over minimums and, and, exception guys over and over and over because you don't have a mechanism to sign the bad the guys that don't play well well you don't want them again and the guys that do play well have generally outplayed their contract and can go get more money elsewhere so this is one of the pitfalls of you know having having that much cap wrapped up in three guys i guess that's a good segue i guess we can we can let that yeah. lead us into into lebron here's what lebron said last night during thursday night football Aaron Rodgers prime years like are they really like what are they doing like move say, on i would say i would say i would feel like it's a discredit when you got a, a, a and don't get it you got a transcendent franchise player like Aaron Rodgers, quarterback obviously we know the yeah. quarterback position in the nfl you know besides if you had like a, a I mean, monster I mean, defense I mean, end, you know what i'm saying or a d tackle like obviously aaron donald that's the one that's the most important position in the nfl so why wouldn't you surround that when you got the picks so to, to maximize what he can do. Are we still talking football or are we talking basketball? <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure you wasn't talking. I mean, about it definitely translates. So, so Jay, I don't want to talk about me. I'm asking guys. But they didn't draft it, nobody. Oh, Did man. you record this with a microwave and VCR? You know, all right, here's my here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. I was or, grabbing wait, what that, was that, that what audio. What was that phone that uh, the Nokia yeah. brick <laughs> with snake on it? 
<laughs> no, what was the phone that LeBron, I think it was his rookie year had, he was recording Monday Night Raw, I think it was. He was like in the front row of Monday Night Raw, and he had a flip, some kind of old flip phone that he was recording on. Is it the sidekick? Or the, the one was like, you know, the, the screen was, that went. I think it was before the sidekick. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was like a Motorola Razor or something. Oh, man. R-A-Z-R yeah. Razor. I did. I do remember having like the first phone that had a camera attached to it and you took a picture, not even a video, but you took a picture and it came out and you're like, yeah, I guess I can kind of see my ear. Um, so in that clip, you held though, up a can to the TV, didn't you? No. All right. <laughs> Put a little I, string. Look, the audio sounds fine because I, you all, I, all I had planned on no, using. It no, it doesn't. It does. The audio, the audio was fine in the in the lowdown when I put it in there, and then it was the the audio just now okay. is fine. You're just trying to to make okay. it so that we don't talk about the actual issue at hand, and I don't appreciate that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, so, get, let's get to it. <laughs> so LeBron, uh, obviously, there he's talking about Aaron Rodgers, and he is talking about uh, the Packers. I think over the course of Aaron Rodgers' career, I don't think they have ever selected in the first round a a skill position player. They have not selected a wide receiver or a running back or even a tight end in there in the first round while he has been uh, I think they have the, one I think they have one running back, but no no receivers or tight ends, yeah. correct. Um and and obviously for Rodgers that has been a source of frustration. Um hilariously like he held out and said he, he threatened to retire and the reason he was getting ready to retire was because he wanted randall cobb brought back which i just kind of picture the packers like wait wait that's it got. are you serious which he got that was it this whole time you were just talking about randall cobb <laughs> hey, well, I mean, still... losing Devontae Adams is not is not great. Well, right. Either. Well, but he didn't he didn't throw a stink over losing Devontae Adams. He didn't threaten to retire over losing. Yeah, you know why? Because it would be so hypocritical because he always <laughs> takes every single penny he can get. So there's no money yeah. left. Right. Um, which like all these other like Brady and all these issue. other superstar quarterbacks end up restructuring to yeah. get help. Yeah. Well, look football shouldn't have a salary cap. Like let's, let's be completely honest here that that sport makes way too much money for there to be a salary cap. It makes way too much money for there to be a number of players on your team cap. They say you can have what 53 guys on that roster. You should be allowed to have 90 so yep. that people could actually be healthy. But anyway, well, um, they do, they do, they have practice squad. Right. Right. But like, but I'm saying like the, the, the idea that like on any given week, a team could potentially run out of quarterbacks. Or like we see this, remember the one game, it was a Monday night football game, a team's long snapper got hurt <laughs> and and they literally couldn't punt or kick field goals for the entirety of that game because <laughs> so, they didn't have anybody who could snap so, the ball. I think the rule yards. at least used, the rule used to be you could have a third, like an emergency third quarterback, but if they came into the game, then the first two weren't allowed to play anymore. So yeah, most don't teams know. don't do that. Most teams now just have a guy, their quarterback and the backup. And then, you know, some receiver that played quarterback in high school, right. be like, Hey man, Wait, was right. it, who was it? The Broncos in the COVID year literally played a wide, started a wide receiver at quarterback. Oh, Somebody I remember that. Like, I mean, I played, I played quarterback like my freshman year at Rutgers maybe, but like I, that yeah. was four years, five <laughs> years ago. I don't know, man. So <laughs> I'm going to the thing I care about most Cal football, big game, Cal Stanford. I've been to a million of them. And my mom went to Cal also. And she tells a story about how they used to drink slow gin fizzes before games. So they're like hanging out at a frat or some party, a pregame party, just pounding gin fizzes. This is back, you know, this is a few years back. And they just get like, they just get hammered. They go, her and all her friends, they go sit in the student section. And Cal's first three quarterbacks get hurt in the game <laughs> and the fourth quarterback is a friend of theirs and with with them and is drunk oh and they no. go over the and didn't dress or anything and they go and they ask over the pa for him to come down because they need him <laughs> to play he's, he's drunk from the pregame party and that's actually how i got this job so um <laughs> so so yeah LeBron I gotta is talking ask, I gotta ask her. I gotta ask her his name. I don't remember his name, but that it's was a great the beginning story. of the Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers football career, and now he does ayahuasca Indeed. before each game. So, um, <laughs> so, so the uh, the 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 
obviously somebody there asked him about it. I think it was Jalen Ramsey said, like, are we talking about football or are we talking about basketball? Jalen Ramsey was low key the star of that show. I'm I'm you know, he was he was really fun. He was really good at, at like poking and prodding LeBron. You know, usually he mm-hmm. does these shop things and everybody just kind of gets out of LeBron's way when he starts talking. But Jalen Ramsey being like, Hey man, everybody knows you lie a lot. <laughs> like it was just so good. <laughs> Not exactly a quote, but that, that was the inference. <laughs> but so, um, so he asks LeBron, like, are we talking about football? Are we talking about basketball? And LeBron first was like, no, this is about football. And then he, and then he was like, yeah, but it actually translates. <laughs> and so, um, you know, look, I am obviously on the record having thought for a long time now that even before the season started, first task of the offseason should have been trading Russ um, you know, make the Indiana trade, get as much continuity as you can. Let everybody just kind of figure out and hit the, hit the ground running when the season starts. Uh, the Lakers decided not to do that. They decided to start the season without having made that trade. And they wanted to wait 20 games before they figured out whether or not the season is worth committing to in that way. Um, they are about 13 games in. Uh, yeah, 13 games in so far. So technically exactly. seven, yep. seven games to go. Their next five of those games, Detroit, San Antonio, at Phoenix, at San Antonio, at San Antonio. And then I guess six, the sixth game there would be um, at home against Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's getting time to start making that decision and, and, and getting ready and to make that decision. let's also say finish the, finish the month at home, uh, Portland. Yeah, um, that would be the seventh game. Yeah. That would be the yeah, seventh and twentieth yep. game of the season. Uh, and 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 I I don't think like you always you know one thing that you and I talk about a lot with LeBron is and we said this about Kevin Durant but it's especially the case here with LeBron he doesn't do anything on accident he doesn't say anything on in public um, without a lot of thought and consideration on what might mm-hmm. come of him saying or not saying certain things. And and I think here, look, he he did he did have a deal here appears with I think it was Amazon, um, where he did have this kind of like Manning cast thing set up. Uh, but as the Lakers get ready for what could be the the la- or what is the last stretch before it's time to make that decision, I do think him saying this with this timing was once again kind of a reminder of like, hey guys, and this is by the way after Chris Haynes wrote that report about a week ago now about how LeBron and his people do not want to see him waste another year on another bad team while they wait for another offseason to maybe fix this roster. So I I guess if you, I I think kind of goes without saying you and I agree that that's the message here, that that's the intent on, on what he was doing here. But my question for you, Aaron, is if you think it, unless it isn't, do you, you don't agree? No, I think, I think um, I think he was talking about Aaron Rodgers, but I think he also knows how people will take it and yeah. doesn't mind. He didn't exactly push that. back. Like he right. he wasn't like he 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 didn't exactly, you know. He could have said there, no, this is just about you know whatever. I know how you guys are going right. to feel about this. Whatever he he chose not to do that. And um, yes. my question is, all right, you say pretty often that LeBron is aware of decisions that the Lakers make before they are, 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 are made. Um, and that he and Le- and, and the LeBron Lakers is consulted and, on, yes, on, on everything. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's not, but yeah. I'm, my question is like, if, as that is the case, why would he feel the need to, to send this message? Because he is not Publicly. the sole decision because he's not the sole decision maker. If okay. that is if that is the message, if I take you if I take your interpretation as correct, he's not the sole decision maker, and I think he probably because of some past events, I think he may have less specific decision making power than he's had in the past. Um, so if that's the case, one interpretation could be like he wants to send a message that hey, like let's do something here. Um, that would be my guess. If your interpretation is correct, that would be my guess. LeBron does have decision-making power, but he's not like, 
he's not the ultimate say, right? It's it is a collaboration. But if you're doing a you know whatever a a a pie of you know how much how big is the slice or pizza or whatever how big is the slice those things vary and he may be feeling like his voice isn't as powerful as it once was that would be that would be my guess if your interpretation is correct yeah i mean I, look we can we can add disclaimers and and it's fair to do so i just think it's we saw him do this but th- last this is year. also how this is also what lebron does right yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, it is what you sign up for. It is it is how he handles things. Um, we just haven't seen him handle it this way this early in the season. It's not even Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's that's a week away. <laughs> well, I mean, look, he, you know, and the Lakers are playing must win games it before before Thanksgiving. You know, and and it's just like like the reason I ask all of this is like, couldn't this have all been avoided? Like could could um, they could maybe like, maybe, could, maybe maybe could the maybe you know and look maybe maybe avoiding it creates all a whole different slew of potential issues and yeah, that's, that, that's that's fine. what I was going to say yes but like maybe maybe I no, hold on I agree with you that job one of the off season was finding a solution to the rust problem I agree with that completely mm-hmm. but 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 again like where you and I differ is the like less or or addition by where our lines are drawn yeah Mm -hmm. the addition by just like get this get this dude out just get this dude out of here like it doesn't matter what the trade is or just send him home that's where you and i disagree i do agree though that ideally job one of the offseason was making a good rust trade but yeah i also think it's fair that if that trade didn't wasn't there or there was a thought that there could be a better one in the future which still could be the case. Um, I think it is. I think it is a fair position that the Lakers have taken. I know it's frustrating, including for apparently LeBron, but LeBron knows what's going on. He, everybody in this, they're different stakeholders. There are a bunch of different stakeholders, and they're not all going to have the exact same priority, right? Like LeBron doesn't give a shit about a twenty twenty nine Lakers first round pick, right? And there are plenty of fans that don't either. Uh, Darius wrote something good about you know kind of looking at how many picks the lakers actually do have Mm -hmm. was a really good piece but there are different there are this there are a lot of stakeholders here and they have different priorities but there is a world in which you know in 2027 or 2029 when you know lebron is may probably retired and certainly almost almost assuredly not on the lakers and ad is you know out of his prime and is either somewhere else or out of his prime And Lakers fans are going to be doing like, wait, what were we thinking five years ago? Why did we trade this? What were we doing five years ago? Unless if the Lakers make a great trade and it really improves this season, that's a different question. But if it doesn't change this season materially, there is certainly a world in which we go, what the fuck were we advocating for back then? Now we suck and don't have the pick. And we didn't really get anything out of it five years ago. Yeah, but like, like I, I, I would just con- like because you're right. There are going to be people who are arguing to trade the pick exists. now. Yeah, right, right. There are going to be people who who are going who are currently advocating for trading both of the picks, and then five years from from now say like, "Well, why'd you listen to me for?" It? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like that is. That is going to, to, to happen. You know, we aren't going to be able to avoid that if the Lakers are bad five years from now. But I feel like five years from now, it's going to be pretty easy to tell those people and offer up the context of, hey, five years ago, we had LeBron James and Anthony Davis with only maybe a, a couple years left together playing at a, a title-capable level. Um, and committing to winning then and foregoing potentially competing now, like that was, that was worth the risk. Wait, that, that's think, worth hold on. The, do you, do you, but okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's conceptually the idea of it going in. Yes. But do you think Anthony Davis and LeBron are playing at a title winning level? I don't think it's fair to evaluate given the God awful roster that they have around them. 
<laughs> I mean, that's it's again. It's it's the Eric too. Andre meme, right? Like that's fair. That's know, fair too. You shoot the roster my point in the is, face, and you're like, my point is, there's, could a, this there's a lot of nuance here. There's huh? a lot of nuance, though. Like, oh, there's, sure. there's a lot of moving parts, and a lot of question, and a lot of nuance, and a lot of Lakers fans are like, just do something, right? What is the like the other meme where it's like poking yeah. the stick with you the, know, stick. the stick figure yeah. with the stick? Yeah, just do do something, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And it's, I don't think it's that simple. I don't like, I think there's no, no, definitely. I still agree that the Lakers should do something to get off of Russ and make this roster make more sense. But I, for it, my line is the same. Like, unless that's going to materially impact something, then no. But I do, I do think that the Lakers are going to make a move. I do think the Lakers are going to do something to use the to use the meme again. Yeah, I, I mean, we're, we they have seven games here, um, and again, ahead of ahead of them right now, they have home tonight against Detroit, home on Sunday. Tonight is a tonight is absolutely a must win, and Sunday, both tonight and Sunday are absolute must wins. Tonight go, is, I go. I think the Lakers have to win five of seven. Yeah, that's my line. Got to win five probably. of seven. Probably, however. Tonight, and I don't say this a lot, right? I say like five of seven is must wins. Mm-hmm. Tonight is a must win. Detroit played last night. The Lakers have not played in four or five days. Yeah. Their best player is hurt. Like tonight is a must win. So the reason I say Sunday is two is because the other two games in the seven game stretch are at Phoenix and against Portland. Portland is playing really well to start the year. And Phoenix, um, I believe, is the best team record-wise in the league. If they they might have fallen off slightly, uh, no, but um, they're right there in in the West. I think they are, but uh, yeah, the Boston has the best record in the whole. Oh, league. that's right. Well, they don't exist when they're good to no, me. They don't, but they don't, um, yeah, but yeah, do you have games against Detroit? Three against San Antonio. One against Indiana. I the Lakers can't afford to drop any winnable games here because then that well, then you have to get you in, if you lose on Sunday, then you got to get one at Phoenix yeah. or home against Portland. Yeah, right. And, and yeah, I just think this, this stretch that they have ahead of them. Um, and, and here's where I think this is why LeBron is sending this message now is because what he doesn't want is for them to go, you know, four and three or three and four and, or even two and five. And for, you know, the front office to basically say, well, sorry guys, there's just no fixing this. I think he's sending this now knowing that these are all winnable games that they have to win and that he's going to, you know, he and AD and Russ and everybody are going to have to go out and do whatever they can to win these games. But Rob, Kurt, anybody listening, uh, Tim Harris, uh, everybody listening to this, hey, yeah, we might not win the five of seven that we absolutely do. Like objectively, they have to win those games, but that can't be an excuse not to try to salvage this season. That's that's why I think he said this now. Yeah, I mean this stretch. I mean it's really early to say this, but this stretch, if if it goes like very, if it goes to one of the extremes, right? If it's six and one or one and six or seven and zero oh or zero oh and seven, something like that, I think that either salvages completely salvages the season or like effectively ends it. Um, mm-hmm. And one other thing, like to be fair to your perspective. Because AD and LeBron have not played at a championship level, period. They haven't. They haven't been good enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to be fair to your perspective, um, you could argue that some change could invigorate the two of them to get to play at a higher level than they are currently playing. Is that a guarantee? No. But it is certainly it is certainly a reasonable possibility. Yeah. I mean, that's that was kind of why... I was against not making the trade heading into this year is because you have this hanging over everybody's heads and look like Lonnie, you know, he, he, he gave the good soldier quote last night or yesterday when, when I, when I spoke to him about it and saying that, you know, you got to block out the noise, that stuff does can't affect me. And, and I'm a basketball player. I'm focused on playing basketball. That's all fine. But like, they're still human beings, you know, it's just like we talked about with Kawhi Leonard in 2k, you can kind of like, tune out chemistry. I think you can literally to turn off chemistry to where like, I don't know how, I don't know how, how everybody is like getting along doesn't affect how the team plays. <laughs> That's something like you can turn off. 
Um, this is the real world though, and, and that's not how this works. If 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 the team is is you know kind of looking over their shoulders and waiting for a move to be made and looking at like, all right, well, if they bring somebody in at this position, what does this do to my minutes here? And and if they bring in somebody at that position, how can that player help me? And and or or like if they bring in somebody at my position, does that mean that I don't get like the same kind of minutes that I was getting before? Um you know, those are all going to be factors here. And, and I also like, you know, uh, Emerson, Emerson from Facebook makes this um, point here, how many point guards they have. Um, I, I do think having this many point guards has affected guys like Kendrick Nunn. It has affected Patrick Beverly because there's 30 or so minutes a night going to somebody that everybody knows is going to be on the roster for much longer. Like it makes this, it makes it really difficult to kind of take your role seriously, knowing that that's not going to be your role for for too much longer. Or hoping, by the way, that it, it won't be your your role for too much I mean, longer. To be to be fair, though, Pat has never been. I don't I don't think he's ever played more than 26 minutes a night in his no. career. Maybe 28, but I, he's not a high minute guy. Um, the other side of this, be. though, is he plays too like, hard. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. When you're guarding 94 feet from <laughs> from tip. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's going to make it tough. Um, I think, though, right. Part of the nuance in this and, and it is it's a bunch of layers to it and it's a bunch of things to wade through and different factors. And um, it requires. Well, it doesn't require, but it can require some patience because as we saw this morning, I can't name any names, but there was, you know, a few, uh, a few like Friday news dumps of a certain, a bunch of guys that, you know, mm -hmm. teams are talking about now and, and a new crop of people that may be yeah. available that weren't. John Collins ago, was ago, kind of sort of ago. new. Apparently there's progress being made I mean, on Jay Crowder. John you Collins can't... has been like on the trade block forever, but as far Man. as this season specifically, mm -hmm. he was, he was a, uh, he was one of the names mentioned there and there were a handful of others. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that is, and that is one of Rob's points, certainly, you know, in talking to me, but also in, I think he's said this publicly, um, that that is a pretty fluid situation, right? There mm -hmm. are always teams that are going to be significantly worse than everyone thought. And specifically they thought they were going to be, and that makes more guys available and situations change in the NBA all the time. So, who is available becomes fluid. And maybe it's not just the whatever three scenarios that Lakers fans think the Lakers have to just pick mm -hmm. one. They're always it, like, it's very fluid and they are not they specifically, but everybody is always making calls all over the league, figuring this thing out. And it is, it's always fluid injuries change it and five game losing streaks and six games, winning streaks and all of this kind of thing. And the chemistry stuff you're talking about. And I'm not like, this is not a name specifically about this. It's just like, okay, going going into Orlando season, this has nothing to do with the Lakers or trades or anything else, but going into the season, like everybody's like, okay, Mo Bamba is going to start and mm -hmm. Bull Bull has been buried. And then all of a sudden Bull Bull comes in in game one before Mo Bamba and Mo Bamba plays like four minutes and Bull Bull is now starting. And was like, wait, he was going to be the 13th man. So these kind of things change all the time. That's a that's a fun combination of names to keep on saying over and over again. Bull Bull Mobamba, yeah. Bull Bull Mobamba. What is it? What is it like? All the, the uh, what are the Bo singers Mambo, and the like voice artists. Italiano. <laughs> hey, my. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's like like fifty years ago. <laughs> Mambo number five. I mean, there is actually there is actually a Mobamba song. Check what? Yeah. That's not that's, fifty uh, years ago. Yeah, I'm 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 old. I'm an old. I have an I'm old heart too. You. I am well, yeah, but like you, you. You're, you're hipper than I am, though. You're out in these streets, like you have to stay up to date with with this stuff. The other night, I cooked spaghetti and I had Dean Martin playing in the back. It was great. It was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I think that's going to do it here for this all episode right. of the Hook. This week's episodes here. On the Sober Screen and Roll Podcast Network, we had a ton of good content. We've had a ton of good content here over the uh, over the last couple of weeks. If you missed the conversation I had with Meta World Peace, I thought he was as entertaining as always, talking about his career, um, his post career, what it's been like to to retire at at a young age, 
um, you know, compared to the rest of us. Obviously, Lonnie Walker yesterday was was a blast. But then on, on top of that stuff, we've had uh, Raj handling spaces after every game. Mm-hmm. Those have been fun mm-hmm. uh, to tune into as well. Uh, you have, yeah, you, we have our new combination on Sundays with the Can You Dig It crew in Jacob and Hani. Um, and, and yeah, all of the, all of the rest of the stuff here, we had our brand new show on Wednesday that, uh, that we debuted our round table concept, a bunch of great stuff. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit those reviews. Um, you can subscribe here on YouTube where all of our live conversations are going to be staying on there. So if you like watching Aaron's, uh, kind of awkward reactions to the things I say about the <laughs> Lakers, that's great. <laughs> Um, and and yeah let's keep this thing rolling so until next week I'm Anthony Irwin that was Aaron Larsoul this has been The Hook Go Bears beat Stanford